getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. Getting to like you. Getting to hope you like you. Welcome to Getting to Know Woo. I'm Natasha Levenger, a professional intuitive reader, energy healer, and inner child healing expert. After being raised with extreme narcissism, I found talk therapy was helpful, but it wasn't until I found energy and inner child healing that I was able to break free of family patterns that cut me off from knowing and loving my true self. I'm passionate about dispelling the rhetoric that these kinds of tools are impractical and ineffective. And in this podcast, I will be sharing how actually beneficial and transformative they are. My husband and producer, Brett, will be joining me in conversation, and we will be welcoming experts along the way. I'm excited to have you here. What's up, Wooligans? Wait, what did we... (laughs) Every time we start with this discussion. <laughs> well, it's an important discussion. There was a new one. Well, last week we said Wula Hoops. Oh, we did? Well, I said Wula Hoops. Oh, okay. Which but we immediately laughed at. said something else. Damn it. I can't remember. <laughs> we really should get if in the you habit gave of me checking a before we... <laughs> I know. If you gave me a suggestion, tell me it again because I can't remember it. Um, um, I also did think of Wooties, hmm. which... To me is a little cutesy. I was just trying to think of words that had the ooh sound in them. I see. And but that one could be. But what is woody? It's just putting woo into booties or cuties. Oh, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Woodies. I was picturing like Woody, but you were saying it. Well, it's kind of like. uh, Apologies if you guys can hear any scuffling out there in uh, (laughs) podcast land. Um, Well, they're in their own land. Our senior foster. Well, you know, like out there in TV land. Uh, Um, Our senior foster, uh, Todd. uh, (laughs) So help me, Todd. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is uh, very active. I thought he was settled, but he just came over, and now he's going over to <laughs> Natasha. If anyone lives anywhere in the United States and wants to come <laughs> get Todd, not because we don't love him, because no. we're obsessed with him, but no, he he's, needs a home, and he is seriously a perfect cat. He really I is. I this believe is that as well. a perfect cat. The only problem is he's very old. Yeah. But he shows no sign of illness. No, he does not seem, what is he, 16? Yeah. yeah, no, he does not seem it at all. He's enormous and friendly and yeah. has an amazing purr. And he's fine with dogs and cats. And yep. yeah. Anyway, speaking of So Help Me Todd, we're just going to. Uh, <laughs> Uh, what we're excited about <laughs> is that um, there's this show on TV called So Help Me Todd. Yes. So Help Me Todd. That, that we like to watch um, because it makes us laugh. Yeah. And, and it is a comedy. Is it? It's kind of like a, I don't, it's I don't a think it's a comedy. I don't think they would call themselves a comedy. I think uh, Todd is supposed to be. You th- no, this is you like think a it's a drama. Mis- yeah, I think it's a. <laughs> no, I think it's a comedy in I'm the vein of right like now. Psych or. Oh, I've um, never seen that show. Or the one with Tony Shalhoub where he was Monk? a detective. Monk. Yes, I actually like that show a lot. I haven't seen um, that either. Where it is not, where its purpose is not 
only comedy the mm. way like a sitcom is, uh-huh. but it is definitely supposed to be funny. Yeah, but I hope that's no, true. No, it's a legal drama. That's what it says. <laughs> I this is terrible for podcasting, but I am stunned into silence by that classification. There that only amplifies everything that is so well, you know, bafflingly hilarious known, about it. It says psych is a mystery. Well, I could believe that. It's like cuz it is a mystery every time, but it is also <laughs> supposed to be funny. I mean, you don't put Gary from A Million Little Lies on there. If well, you're they not also to be say funny. that Monk is a drama. So maybe this is just, you know. This show is not a drama. I defy well, anyone is, to tell me how this is a drama. Well, they solve mysteries but why every it... week. Yeah. And it's not like it's not the basis. We are laughing at it because Todd, who... Is he was he became famous for Pitch Perfect. He he's known for Pitch Perfect. He's a singer and a dancer. He was also in Zoe's um, Extraordinary Playlist, which I loved that show. So he's very musical theatery. Like he does not. He somebody needs to tell him that he is no longer on a stage. That this is TV and he doesn't need to. Um, what do they call that in acting? Um, indicating yes yeah he doesn't need to indicate everything yes he's like a human turn signal what's uh did you just make that up yes it's funny (laughs) uh trying to find his uh find his name yeah skylar astin oh oh wow i okay so i think of a legal drama as yeah Law and Order, yeah. for example. Or, where, or uh, L.A. Law. Or L.A. <laughs> to Law, bring a, yes. To bring a very recent this, example. The tone of this show is far too heightened mm. it's to just call Todd. itself a drug. I'm telling no, you. No, no, no. Marsha Gay Harden I think gets she pulled grounds into it. herself, though, for the most part. I really do. I think it's I all, think for the think most part dis- that is true. You're distracted by Todd. No, no, no. It's also the directing. It's also the writing. It is like there. It is all so over the top. You think over that, the oh, Todd. I see. What, over the Todd. It yeah. really is. But anyway, I'm still loving it. I love it so much. Um, I say give it a watch. Yeah, and well, it really is uh, something thing, to behold. If you watch Cobra Kai, um, LaRusso... Daniel LaRusso's arms are are featured heavily. (laughs) I enjoy that show. Well, I really enjoyed the first season. But um, his arms are, they have a mind of their own, and they just kind of flop around when he's walking. And Todd has a similar thing only if he were playing Daniel LaRusso in a musical. Because oh, he moves them around with, but so it's almost like they have a life of their own, but they're doing it theatrically. Yeah, I feel like he feels like, and he may very well be, mm-hmm. but I feel like every movement he makes is intentional mm-hmm. and that he's extremely proud of it. <laughs> you know, I want to talk about this for a okay. second about we're going to shift gears a little bit because okay. that really segues well. This thing about being proud of yourself. Mm. Oh, yeah. I've Mm. really been thinking about this because obviously it is important to acknowledge yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'm kind of like, when is it? I don't know. So, okay. Like, when does it become? Like, if Todd is proud of himself, and by that I mean Skylar, Mm. would (laughs) that be bad? 
Or why, what's wrong with being proud of yourself? Well, there's nothing wrong with being proud of yourself per se. I feel like when ego gets tied up into it, mm. then it becomes more likely to be pathological mm. or like, you know, problematic. But in what way? Who's he harming? <laughs> like, okay, so there's this TikToker I like her music a lot. Mm -hmm. Her name's Blue Eyes. And she obviously really is into her music too. Yeah. And I do find it distracting because she'll do stuff like she'll sing this song and she'll in the like as she'll be singing it and i actually this part i really enjoy like she's really into it when she's singing it and um but then she has little like pop-up little text box it'll say like this next part is the best bridge i've ever written and then mm. it'll go in and it'll be like just wait for it <laughs> and then it's like here it comes and then she'll like sing into the mic like can you fucking believe that lyric? <laughs> you know and there's yeah, a part yeah. of me that's like that's that's great like yeah but then there's another part where i'm like and i do wonder if for me it's like the part of me that really is the opposite like wait what is the what is the second part like well the second part is like uh oh my god what are you doing like what are like the, it's bragging like it's like, bragging like yeah. oh my god like very put off by yeah it like because, a um like a minor version of the way like Trump talks about himself. Yeah. He's so yeah. pathological. Though. Well, it yes, almost doesn't yes. bother me. It's just like, oh, <laughs> well, he's a poor little <laughs> oh, yeah. child and so much attention. So much. Yeah. Um, and I have, I, weirdly, I'm more compassion for Trump than this person who's like, yeah. Well, so the example that you gave of like, this is the best bridge I've ever written is like that seems normal like yeah, it's the like way a healthy I just said version that of that sounded not bad but for some reason I, I well think we've I'm watched saying it wrong. we've watched a couple where people are just like where musicians are just like this song is so great like yeah. this is one of the greatest songs like period like where they don't qualify it with like yeah. that i've ever written or like i'm really proud right. of this or yeah. what well it was also the other guy that you like uh brendan Brayden. did that too brayden Braden. Um, and mm -hmm. I, my response to it, and I'm totally open to the idea that this is generational. Maybe there's a version of like the, it's healthy, but my feeling about it is that when someone is giving their strong positive opinion of their own work, it just sucks the air out of the room for any other opinion or any other discussion or any other, like, it becomes very... But who cares, like, what anybody else thinks about it? Like, this is their opinion. That uh, argument I don't agree with. Well, I'm saying, like, obviously, like, if they're talking on TikTok, fine. Like, then we're not yeah. actually discussing it. Yeah. But I don't feel like this is limited to TikTok. I feel like he would say that or she would say that to our faces if we were listening yeah, to that Yeah, I don't... I really want to get to the bottom of why it bothers me. I feel like it's similar to... Like, if someone is playing somebody else's music for you and is, like, yeah. super pot, like, yes. this is the greatest music ever. I yes. felt, like, I yeah. can't believe everyone doesn't recognize, or whatever. Well, like, that, that has yeah. a similar effect, except that this is now also coming from the person who wrote it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's I don't. It's interesting because we both don't like it, but for different reasons. Because if somebody, that next part, I can't believe anybody would, wouldn't think that. Yeah. That's not what she's saying. Because that is the part that would bother me about that. Right. But if someone was like, oh my God, I just found the best band there. I would, you know, I love the song so much. It's the best song 
I'd be like, oh, let me hear it. I wouldn't be put off by that. Yeah, but, well, I mean, maybe we should re-listen to those parts, uh, you know, those videos that we were, that we're thinking of, because it, it felt less couched in their personal opinion, even though it's obviously an opinion. Yeah, it, it did felt feel more like, like a, a statement of I fact. I see, maybe that's, that's what, what it is, that it feels about, like, yeah. don't tell me what to think. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that that was your reaction. Well, was I like, didn't. Maybe... I'm just getting trying to get to the bottom of yeah. it. Anyway, if people want to write in and tell us what they think, I would like to know because I because on the surface it feels like it could very much be self love. Like, like for him. Okay, this is the last thing I'm going to say about it. So I have a book coming out right mm-hmm. in less than a month. I know it sounds like I maybe I talk about all I mentioned on this podcast every mm-hmm. week, April eighteenth, pre order now. But <laughs> I barely talk about it on Instagram, or really, if I send or out to, a newsletter, yeah. which I do twice a month at this point, I will mention it then. But right. I really barely talk about it, and I I need to like I really should, for many reasons, and one of the reasons I don't is because I realize like I wasn't I you know my mom basically took away my accomplish anytime I did she would criticize me for it so this is probably right. the root of this thing this right. is probably the root of why I don't like these people doing this um she would criticize me or like judge my accomplishments so I really do need to and I realized that if I work for if I worked for a company who was releasing this book I would be like oh my god you guys have to get this book it's so great like there's so much in this book yeah but because it's my book I don't do that yeah yeah so I mean I I obviously well not obviously I grew up in a culture that valued modesty as Mm -hmm. well so I'm sure I have some baggage around that but there I and I'm not sure exactly how to pin this down but there is a big difference between that coming from the author and that coming from someone else like the like that doesn't make any sense to me someone else oh, i'm saying like saying... you endorsing somebody else's oh, book yeah. with like really enthusiastic praise yes is very different than doing that about your own book with like in the same sort of enthusiastic praise. It's not that, like, I definitely don't, like somebody saying, I'm really proud of this book. I put a lot of work into this. I think it will help people is different than the kind of, like, qualitative statements of, like, this book is the best. This book, do you know what I mean? Like, that to me yeah, feels very different. Yeah, but I think after this discussion, I've realized we both have baggage around this. Yeah, so, we do. Yeah. We do. That that doesn't necessarily <laughs> so invalidate why... the opinions, but no, that's one maybe. like one reason that I want that I yeah. that I think it's good to have it here just to hear yeah. and also from people should... who don't have that definitely. kind of baggage. I would love to hear back from people who don't have that. I mean, definitely there's inner child parts that need to be spoken to to see like that sounded like I'm saying they need to be spoken to. <laughs> they need to be heard from because I want to know, like, I want to talk to the part that's like, what the fuck are you doing? You can't do that. That's like, you're going to, I think it has something to do with like, you're going to look like you're bragging. You're going to look like whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, we'll talk yeah. about this later. So the last thing that I want to say, is that okay? Mm-hmm. Before we get to our amazing guest, Lisa Quigley, is um, the big thing going on in our lives is that we have decided we need to move because the anti-trans laws all around us are 
really increasing. We have a trans daughter and we need to protect her and also just the state in general. They could, even though right now they're protected, it's just so unstable. So having them grow up in this environment. Yeah. Wouldn't be great. So we're currently, we're going to take a trip in a couple weeks to Colorado. We're going to go to Colorado. (laughs) And um, if anyone has any other suggestions for really um, good states that aren't really hot, uh, (laughs) that would be, or extremely cold. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I just want to. six months of cold. Right. I I just want to add that, like, you know, some of the anti-trans bills that have been introduced in states not that far away and not that it even matters how far away they are that well, the same bordering kind of us, thing yeah because then we can't like just go yeah. to the next state to like right. get medicine around. so right so there have been bills introduced where it would ban gender affirming care for uh adults through the age of 26 and obviously yeah. also minors there have been bills introduced where Anyone in a family receiving gender-affirming care would be grounds for, even the parents, would be grounds to take those children away from those parents. And those aren't happening in North Carolina. Yeah. But there's no reason that it couldn't. Like, there's there's nothing stopping it. And um, it's just really, like, it's serious. And I, I am... Uh, very aware of the privilege that goes into yeah. us being able to just decide Definitely. to move. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's wild. Yeah, it's very sad. Yeah. So uh, anyway, recommendations uh, are yeah. appreciated. Although if... we are, I anyway, as sad as it is, I am also excited about the potential of Colorado where we're looking. Yeah. Um, we both have, people we know there and um and it seems pretty good but yeah. we also are very sad just because we do love it here yeah so yeah. that sucks um okay and also i have a friend <laughs> uh shout out to lee who's a li- also a listener um who said to me boy that's not just a move that's a migration because of how many animals we have yeah <laughs> yeah some serious logistics going into this <sighs> Yeah. Anyway, listen, we put our money where our mouth is in all the places. Well, what I mean is like it's going to be infinitely more expensive, exponentially more expensive moving with all of our animals. Oh, instead of rehoming them, you mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I just didn't know which money and which mouth you were referring to. And also like the type of home we have to get, the fact that we can't really rent probably. Right. And yeah. All of that. Strong likelihood. Yeah. Um, okay, well, now, here we go. We are interviewing today Lisa Quigley. It was such a great conversation about creativity. Um, we know you're going to love it, and I will read you her bio, and we'll go into it. Lisa Quigley is a visionary author and heretical mystic currently residing in New Jersey. She is also a witch, and creativity is her most potent magic. She believes it's yours, too. She holds an MFA in creative writing from the University of California, Riverside's low residency MFA program in Palm Desert. She's the co-founder and co-host of the award-winning horror fiction podcast, Ladies of the Fright, 
Hell's Bells and Camp Neverland from Unnerving Press are her novellas. The Forest, her debut novel from Perpetual Motion Machine Publishing, was nominated for a 2021 Bram Stoker Award for Superior Achievement in a First Novel. Find out more about her tarot readings and other services at lisaquigley.net or join her Substack Portals and Prisms, where she talks all things tarot, magic, creativity, and mysticism. And you can also find her on um, Instagram at Creativity Witch. And here is the interview. Hi, everyone. My book, Healing Your Inner Child, is out April 18th. It has so much helpful material. If you like this show, you're going to love the book. And it is available for pre-order everywhere. If you order it and then email me at gettingtoknowwoo at gmail.com or you can send me a DM, I will email you a special class I made for everybody who pre-orders called The Inner Gaze, all about receiving inner validations. Thank you so much for your support, and I know you love the book. Lisa, thank you so much for being here. We're so excited to have you. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk. Okay, so I wanted to talk to you because you share so many great things your posts about creativity I just love so much they're so inspiring and helpful and you're a novelist Mm -hmm. I know you're also the mom of two young people Mm -hmm. so um do you are you able to write at all right now yes oh well good I I, so yeah I mean that's part of what led me on this path of so I mean I've always been somebody who I mean, I've been interested in being a writer and writing in some form since I was like six, but it was like, you know, like little yeah. three sentence things or whatever. But I, I also was always fascinated with books. I feel like I've been on this trajectory of like trying to understand how to write, how to be a writer, mm-hmm. how to get to this thing that I felt this inexplicable call toward. Mm-hmm. And um, what I've come to realize in the last few years basically since I feel like becoming a parent I be my Mm -hmm. oldest is um gonna be six in May Mm -hmm. and I feel like that was a whole underworld journey in itself the identity changes oh yeah Yeah. and it's hard to talk about because I have this what do you call it like a hindsight perspective now where I realize like Mm -hmm. most of my life since I was a teenager trying to be creative is like a shame version of being creative like why aren't you making time why aren't you doing Uh, this you're not doing this you you're a writer but you're not writing you never write Mm -hmm. you know all this like this like voice of like Mm -hmm. how can you say you want to do this thing if you never spend the time doing this thing you're so lazy you're a procrastinator you do you know all of this I know that chatter and you're saying that's coming internally internally yeah Yeah. that's in my head like that's from inside the house (laughs) (laughs) and then um I feel like when I became a parent not only did it set off all these other aspects of my identity that I had to start looking at and like activating stuff my time isn't the same it's just not and what I realized is that I have to take the time I can take (laughs) which is like sometimes I wrote my so I have three books that are published one is a novel and two are novellas my second novella which I wrote that in like three months in like half an hour to an hour a day Mm -hmm. and like I would wake up at five I was actually nursing my daughter um not while I wrote it (laughs) 
<laughs> um, I would extra bad. Yeah. <laughs> so she was um luckily a pretty good sleeper from the beginning. And I would by the time she was like four months, she was waking up once at 5 a.m. to nurse and then she would go back to oh, sleep wow. till like 7:30. I know. So I would wake up at five to nurse her and then I would put her to bed and stay awake and write for like an wow. hour. That's really wow. dedication. But I, because I've had kids, I've become a morning person because that's literally <laughs> my only guaranteed time to myself. Yeah. So yep. a lot of times um, when I'm actively working on a project, I do wake up early and write for like half an hour to an hour. And what I realized was I would, I kind of used to think like to be a writer, you had to work for five hours a day, right. you know? And I realized if I give myself 30 minutes of focus time, no phone, set a timer, yeah. 30 minutes, I'm writing. I, I can write a lot. <laughs> yeah. I wrote, I've only written one novel, but I, and it's not published but I wrote that the same way like I was like every day I think I did it one hour a day Monday through Friday and I think that first draft took me three months too and I was really surprised like how much you can get done in an hour it's just a focused hour yeah and like even for me I realized um I used to shame myself for not writing every day like I don't I go through long months without writing yeah. Um, but when I'm working on a project actively, I do like to try to touch in with it every day just because yeah. it keeps it alive. alive. Yeah. And like yeah. I'm with in touch with like the spirit of it. Yeah. So that was a lot of talking, but it, I that's feel what like this, this is a podcast. So that's good. <laughs> it would be bad if it wasn't yeah. little talking. That'd be rude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do feel like it was parenthood that made it imperative for me to renegotiate my relationship to my process because mm -hmm. the old way of doing it wasn't going to work. I mean, before I had kids, I could just not write for three months and then like binge write for hours <laughs> and then like feel terrible and not and hate that. <laughs> I hated it. It was like, oh, it's terrible to write for five uh, hours. Yeah, I'm not going to write again for three months. Oh, and I was wow. just in this very like, I don't know, not conscious relationship with my creativity. It was mm. just like, it does feel like there was like a real tinge of shaming and guilting myself into mm -hmm. doing it rather mm -hmm. than like realizing that this is something that I'm doing because it brings me joy and like makes me feel good. And yeah, mm. I've also been a writer my whole life. And I've just like, I haven't for some reason cared about if I mean, I've cared if I got published or not, but I haven't let that taint whether or not I call myself a writer just because I just feel like I am it's just like that's what I am no one can tell me I'm not but I have noticed that it never used to be an issue for me and I guess this is like since having kids um like having time to do it or it's just something I would always do but it is hard and I know Brett has this too, where it's like once you haven't done it for a while I mean I wrote my book but that's a nonfiction book I don't I'm talking about you know fiction not that it doesn't count but you know what I'm saying um <laughs> like do you crazy. have any thoughts about coming back to it like so there's a couple of different things and one is that if I'm really feeling the itch to get back to a certain type of project like I'm like I really want to work on this fiction project but I haven't written fiction in a long time I really started by ritualizing it 
Mm. Like, um, because also, you know, that that's what's so that this is the other part of it that I'll talk about in a minute. But if you know, this is what I'm being called to next. This is what I want to work on next. I can't stop thinking about it. I really want to get back into it. And yet you're just having trouble with that inertia of like, how do I, I will literally just land a day in my calendar and be like this day. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, but not like, I'm just going to do it. I'm not, because I don't think this brute force attitude toward ourselves is yeah. actually that helpful. It doesn't feel fun. It feels like a bullying parent. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> um, so I try to think, okay, I'm going to pick a day that feels like magical to me for some reason. And I really like mugwort for creativity like burning there's all I mean you can make it personal to you but I've literally just like been like okay this is the day and I'm gonna it's and I like build up to I'm like this is gonna be exciting and I'm like ooh, and then I I'm like, I'm going to pull cards on it. Sometimes I, I actually have for my current project, like a, a journal that I'm using as like a project altar that I will mm. pull cards from a specific deck during the per, the duration of the project and like leave them in the notebook and like yeah. that to write. Yeah. And just make it like, what would make this more feel more like fun and exciting to get back to and then I'll you know burn some mugwort light a candle call in my guides call in the project call Mm. in you know and just make like mark it in time and then I'll just also like take off the pressure of like I don't need to write the whole book in a day (laughs) right Right. I'm just here to write a couple of sentences and like have fun with this and maybe I'm maybe I'm not even writing in my computer yet maybe I'm just writing in my journal some ideas like just even okay so even if you don't know like what the idea is it's just like in that case you have a sense of what something might be or no just that you want to do it usually at that point I do have a sense but I think you could do this even if you You didn't even if you're like I want to get back into this I I feel like ideas are abundant I used to think they were scarce but it's been something that's really helpful to me is just to treat it like I would any other you know thing in my life or not just be like oh I'm gonna come at this hard and right (laughs) (laughs) I really like the idea of making it special uh, of treating it as an event almost and like bringing your guides and like bringing in resources but also simultaneously taking the pressure off uh, to just like enjoy being with it. I, I have wanted to paint for years and I have I have these very specific ideas of things that I want to make. And I realized recently that I think one of the things that is stopping me is that I feel like it has to have an audience and a way to get it to them. Mm-hmm. And like, it can't just be for its own sake or for me yeah. or to put up in the house. It's got to be like, I got to have an Etsy shop and you know, like it's got to go out to the world. <sighs> and uh, that what you just said, I feels really good like just setting aside time to connect with the creativity itself and see what comes out of it yeah you know I used to be in a band and my bandmate and I would meet every Saturday at our house and it was just like this date and I would always be so excited about it and then when that ended I was like Brett was like I want to make music with you and I was like okay yeah we're gonna do this let's plan on it but somehow because we are in the house together it just never happens yeah yeah. Sometimes like you need that outside influence or something. I don't know. But maybe if we really did realize like, okay, this is special and like really treated it like that, it would yeah. be helpful. Yeah. Is re- you were talking to me about a term called rewilding creativity. 
And is this, can you talk a little bit about that and like how this might, is this part of it? Like what you just described? Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's also related to what you're saying too, Brett, about like feeling like it needs an audience and feeling like it needs like a reason and a purpose. I started to realize that the way that I was engaging with creativity and like the way I was talking to myself about how I needed to write and I needed to have this output and I needed to, and then like even like this anxiety about, will I ever get published and will this happen? And like, will it will pre-COVID days when you were at parties and you weren't thinking about breathing other people's air, I would mention like, you know, oh, I'm writing a book. And then, oh, do you have a publisher? Do you have the, you know, like, and like people be like, well, then why are you oh doing God. it? You know, not, and not oh. like, like meanly, they're just confused because they don't know why you would like spend all this time on something that doesn't mm. have like promises some, <laughs> or like some external thing they could mm-hmm. And um, I started to realize that the way we relate to creativity in our culture is influenced by our culture. Mm -hmm. And it started to look in my mind like an image of like, we have all this like concrete built up and weeds growing and Mm. over our like wild creative terrain. Mm. And really what it is, is that the air that we breathe is toxic capital is patriarchal ideals supremacy hierarchies like things like needing to be concrete needing to be explainable needing to be have a reason needing to be productive the only part of the creativity that matters is publishing a book or having a painting to sell or having an art gallery you know or selling an album Mm -hmm. or going having a concert and like what happened to me personally was that I achieved my dream which was have my first book published Mm-hmm. My book, um, Hell's Bells, my novella was published in Mar- uh, May 2020, which let me tell you was a wild time <laughs> to have your book come out. And it was very exciting. It was actually like people liked it. I was on podcasts. I was doing like cool stuff for it. And I, I realized that this lifelong goal that I had been holding is like, I'm going to be able to prove to everyone that I wasn't wasting my time when this comes out. It came and went. Oh, wow. And I was like, actually, like spent 2020 on top of the pandemic on top of everything else that was happening that year feeling like am I even ever gonna write again like Mm. I don't have I didn't know have the words to articulate it but I realized whatever I was working toward couldn't be for that moment Mm. because Mm. once the book is published it's cool and it's out and it's in the world and it's exciting and it's I still care about it but it just stopped being mine Mm -hmm. and it I was like I cannot be doing all this making myself feel bad Mm. guilty myself about not writing showing up in this drudgery of a writing process that I have feeling terrible about it for this like moment that is so short yeah like it's just it just comes out and and then it's done. And, and yet our culture would have us believe that like the published book is like and it was like a small pre- it wasn't like a big you know thing but to me it was like a lifelong of course. Like, yeah, of yeah. Course. yeah that reminds me of a couple of things I just want to say quickly I remember maybe it was Aziz or Chris Rock I don't know some big comedian was like the best part of any project is the announcement on deadline <laughs> they, like <laughs> that's it like everybody's like whoa Ooh, look what you're exciting. doing you're doing it it's happening <laughs> (laughs) oh wow and then like and it was wild for me to hear that 
from that person, whoever it was that I don't remember, but it was like a very successful person to think like even them, it's just like about the announcement more than anything else. And then it also reminds me of my good friend, Liz Gilbert. Just kidding. <laughs> but I'm calling her Liz. Close friend. Yeah, she um, talked about how when Eat, Pray, Love came out, she rented a hotel room for herself, treated herself amazingly and like celebrated the whole process of creating the book and all of that. And then she said, and now it's the world. And then she like <laughs> let it go. So it reminded me of that because you said that it's like it becomes something else almost because it's everybody else's. And it was like letting go of that attachment to anything else after that yeah and like even the experience of reading people's reviews of the book was interesting because mm. I had some people be like this is amazing and my first book Hell's Bells it's fiction and it's horror but it's very lightly veiled criticism of the church oh, okay. <laughs> um, and so some people loved that some people really did not like that oh yeah um yeah it, it but but I also knew when I wrote that I was like when it was interesting experience to see these different opinions coming in and it's very weird like oh my gosh these opinions of this very intimate thing you know um from people I've never even met and like this feels really weird yeah but also to realize like when I when I checked in on that book with myself I started to get a little wobbly seeing some of the reviews mm -hmm. I was like no I actually said what I needed to say and I'm actually very proud of this book and I don't need everyone to love it it's fine like realizing that I was in my integrity with that book and like even if it's not like the most perfect thing ever written I'm proud of what I did with it but then realizing too like when that book goes and interacts with other people's interior I have no that's Control. it yeah and that yeah. might like spark synapses and ideas and different directions for them and then it just stopped yeah it felt very much like it stopped being mine like my name is on it but it's not it doesn't belong to me anymore. I just realized through that, that whole experience, like I spent a lot of that time thinking like, I don't know if I'm ever going to write again. You know, I just had this, it felt like a real void. I didn't have the, that word for it either. I also, that year, I like 2019 winter solstice. I was like, I'm done like telling myself I'm not good enough to learn tarot and I'm going to start really learning it. And I started pulling cards every day. And so simultaneously with this kind of like dark night of the soul with my writing in this void, I was in tarot. And because I am a person who's always been like my primary thoughts are about my writing and about my create my creativity and that sort of thing a lot of my questions were about that and a lot of what the tarot was saying to me it was like I didn't have this work this framework at the, at the moment but it was teaching me how to rewi rewild my relationship to creativity mm -hmm. which was it was telling me like everything is okay like you don't need to worry about what's coming next because you just went through this whole process and really what it was was that that process after the project and I'm not the first person to say this but like after you have a big creative project it's like postpartum you're mm. like there's like a grief about it there's like a change of identity your your change of who you how you think of yourself there's all this stuff and mm. you really need to process that but I had this like I need why am I not writing why can't I write you know and yeah. and then in November of that year I got an idea for my next novella that I wrote. That's the one I wrote while my daughter was a newborn. And uh, I, that one is very special to me. It's actually probably gotten the least notice, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, 
it's probably the most special to me of all three of my published books, just because that one I wrote with this new kind of relationship to creativity. I did a ritual to start it. I like Mm -hmm. made sure to talk to it. Like I loved it. I talked Mm -hmm. to myself (laughs) like I loved it. When I got stuck, I pulled tarot cards. I just tried to think of it like I'm doing this because I love it. I'm doing this because I love it. I'm doing this because it makes me happy. How this is fun. Like let's find the fun of it. And like, it was a pleasure to write the whole thing and it mm-hmm. took me like I realized like creativity didn't have to feel bad <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's not supposed to feel bad and that doesn't mean it won't be hard or like we won't find puzzles but even like puzzles can be pleasurable you know yeah. um yeah I it sounds like connecting to the joy of it connecting to other sources of inspiration like tarot like your guides are were big parts of tearing up the concrete that had been put over your your creative environment are that were there other specific things that you picked up like as you were consulting the tarot about it or was it sort of like gradual and like pieced itself together slowly I'm I feel like what happened was if I'm understanding what you're asking like it was like I went through this void after the book and then the tarot was like telling me stuff and I was writing it down but I'm like I don't understand I don't understand and still like in this space and then it wasn't until this book popped into my head it was like something I don't even know how to describe it it was like some something opened up in my consciousness Mm. and it was at that moment if you look back through my Instagram it was like November 2020 when I started talking about creativity specifically Mm. on my Instagram Mm. because another part of it was like I was like why am I being drawn to tarot what am I supposed to be doing with tarot like why why now what and then I started seeing it in my friends like the way they would talk about themselves in text like oh I'm so I haven't sat down you know and I just started to see that we were all kind of operating on this operating system that was programmed into us by a culture that doesn't really give a flying fuck about our creativity, you know, like that, that actually doesn't want us to be in that. Yeah. And that what we have been sold as creativity is like, oh, like get some colored pencils and like which is fine if that's like i have colored pencils i love them um, no i get it you hate colored pencils and people who use them (laughs) but it's like it's like it's so big and so powerful and we all have access to it Mm -hmm. and we all kind of just like oh i'm not good we have imposter syndrome i mean i really think that imposter syndrome and feeling judging ourselves for procrastinating i don't think those are real I think those are yeah. byproducts of this culture. Getting back to your question earlier about like getting back into fiction, I actually think when we are not being drawn to something, when we're being drawn to something else, why why do we make that a problem? That's what are we what are we being pulled toward? What is right. interesting right now? And like yeah. in, and not to say like, you know, we can't like consciously decide to want to do something. But I think that we tell ourselves like, oh, I'm procrastinating. I haven't been doing it. I have like just the way we talk to ourselves about it is like, to give an example, a silly example is um, in the, I think it was the end of 2018, I saw Bohemian Rhapsody and became obsessed with Queen and Freddie Mercury, which I, because of my upbringing, I had missed out on all of that. Mm-hmm. I could not stop. I was like, this was back when I was actively had a podcast with one of my best friends and we had a shared YouTube and she would log into YouTube account and be like, you have been watching so many <laughs> Freddie Mercury videos. <laughs> And I like read every book. I was like, I don't know what I'm what like, 
I should be writing my novel. Why am I reading, watching all these Freddie Mercury yeah. videos? And I ended up, my first novella ended up being partially about Freddie Mercury and Queen. Yeah. And um, it like all fed into what went into that novella and like, but I didn't know why. Right, right. But, right. So I think that we actually are getting clues and nudges and pulls and calls all the time. Mm. And instead of following those and just being like, okay, I guess I'm just going to go I have this weird fascination that I can't stop thinking about we're like but why am I not working on my project you know and it's like that's a part of rewilding too is like rethinking what even constitutes creativity and like Hmm. we focus so much on the output instead of realizing that sometimes like those we're getting information that's going to feed into something else later and maybe we don't know why but trusting that it's a lot about trust we haven't been taught in this culture to trust ourselves and yeah yeah we have to end in a second but i wanted to just say what you said about like the imposter syndrome and stuff like that is definitely part of it and i also or or like that we think of creativity as like oh color pencils and I, but I feel like it's like one or the other. It's very black and white. It's like we either think of it as like some frivolous activity that only kids should do, or it's like you have to be a superstar. Like right. that, that's what creativity is in our culture. It's like rock stars and movie stars. And like that also, that's just as harmful. Uh-huh. That that's the only thing that's lauded. It, then it's like it also plants that seed for not doing everything you're saying, like not following those impulses. Because like, why right. am I listening to Freddie Mercury? It's not going to make me a millions pub- of dollars. Like, yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, or a published right. Right. author yeah. tomorrow. Like, yeah. so right. like a superstar. So what I'm what I'm hearing is the key to creativity is lots of YouTube. Okay. Uh, right. Lots of tarot and <laughs> fuck colored pencils. That, so, it's just like a I'll one. I'll put that two, in the show three. notes. A yeah. one two. That's yeah, it. yeah. That's it. It's like if you don't want to listen to this, it's TLDR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. right. Um, I feel bad that I said that in the middle because I was just like trying to hold two thoughts together. Like, oh God, we have to. We're having a bit. I have so much. Like, I want to. Um. Anyway, thank you so much, Lisa. This is like, I love, and also I do want to say one more thing about you is like that you've been posting about doing about skate skating and like just doing it for fun and doing it for the fun of it as an adult. And uh, can you just talk about that for a second? Like, yeah, yeah, that was, it's like a new development for me, but I think it's all part of this because I think for me, I've as I dig more into it, I think creativity is more about like expression of our life force and mm-hmm. however that is most alive for us in any moment. And um, when I was a kid, I always wanted to ice skate and I rollerbladed all the time, um, but I didn't get to ice skate very much. And I always like, I was like upset. I would like watch the Olympics and like, I was like so obsessed with figure skating. And um, this winter I just decided I'm going to take figure skating. Well, I'm starting with like basics because I'm learning, but I'm like, I'm just going to take, I'm 38 years old. So I'm like, I'm just going to take lessons. And I, and like leading up to it, I was like, I feel so stupid. This is so like, I should just mm-hmm. not go. I'm going to be so embarrassed. Everyone's, you know, going to be, they'd be like, what's this lady doing here? <laughs> <laughs> And um, I went because I had paid for the classes. So I was like, I've already paid. I got to go. And I it's been awesome. And I'm not like when you say what's this lady doing here? It's not that you signed up for a middle school 
class. I signed up for an adult. It's adult. Oh, yeah. Okay. But yeah. um, I was a, I was nervous that like everyone's gonna be like younger adults or yeah, like, yeah. and it's a good mi- it's a good mix. Um, mm-hmm. and it once I got there, I realized like this is so silly. It doesn't matter. We're all like feeling the exact same way. Yeah. We're all looking at each other. Like all of us are super embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that yeah. almost makes it more wonderful because we're all just totally. like it's been really amazing. And I even I went and just did a public skate today just to practice and I even while I was there I was like I'm never gonna learn like there was this this woman who um was just like skating beautifully in the middle of this and I was like what am I doing why am I who do I think I am like all the thoughts Mm -hmm. came you know and I'm like but it doesn't matter where this goes it just I'm almost like as I reevaluate it all and think about my life and think about my tendencies like in the past, every time I took up an activity, it was like, and now this is going to be my career. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yep, yep. And uh, this is the first time, number one, I'm 38. I don't think figure skating, <laughs> skating can be my career. So I really am just like being in it to be in it yeah. and just do it because it's fun. And it, yeah. it's, um, it's really fun (laughs) and I'm just having the time of my life yeah um all right Lisa thank you I could talk to you about this all the time like literally I don't want to stop um but anyway are you offering anything like a service so I do occasionally list um what I call paper portals which are like tarot for creativity readings but it's with it's like a handwritten letter and I send um a couple of cards and I create um based on the reading almost like an affirmation and then I use the affirmation to create a custom sigil that goes with the reading and yeah so I send those in the mail but really I list them periodically so um as I have energy and time yeah I think I'm going to start offering tarot reading soon and I also do have uh what I call mystical creative mentorship available on my website for anybody who wants to go deep over time I've developed a skill of like hearing people talk about their creativity and being like able to hear the ways that the culture has kind of like gotten in there and help them unpack that I love that and they can find you at are you going by your name now on Instagram or I haven't changed it yet so right now it's creativity.witch I may change it to my name in the feed the reason I haven't is because my name is taken oh okay Uh. so if I do it I I have to include my middle name and I don't really I use my middle name but I don't really like people don't know me as that so I don't know I'm still deciding all right well for now at (laughs) creativity.witch yeah um okay thanks again Lisa. yeah thanks all right you know you love that yeah that was fun yeah oh one other thing we were going to mention is we're probably going to be doing this every i mean we've already been pretty inconsistent because <laughs> we're trying to be anti-capitalistic about it in terms of just like when we're doing it but but we would like to get more consistent yeah. Um, and we're probably going to be doing it every other week. Right. Okay. So that's what to expect from us. And now it's time for the energy report. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm feeling into the energy this week. I happen to know, um, a little birdie told me, a little birdie. Do I ever, um, 
I met this woman <laughs> <laughs> who um, told me I was slurring my words. Oh, yeah. I feel like I people used to tell me that in my 20s. That you slurred? Mm-hmm. I used to hear that a lot. And now I don't know if it's that I've changed or if people don't want to tell me that. <laughs> or uncomfortable telling yeah. them they think you're drunk all the yeah. time. I mean, I you have a unique voice that... Mm has never sounded like an inebriated person to me. But you know what else? People also have thought I'm from another country. Well, yes, that's also weird. Yeah. Uh, but but you also have known me now for over 19 years. So right, but I knew you, you then. You never thought it before. And, uh, well, and this is what I pointed out to you when you said that to me before. Yeah. I didn't think it when I first met you. Never have thought it. And if you came home drunk one afternoon, I would be able to tell that you were slurring your speech. Yeah. Well, the slurring maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, here we are. (laughs) Um, Okay. So I happen to know some inside intel, which is that Aries season starts today, Monday. I'm just kidding. That is an inside intel. Trade all your Aries stocks now. Yeah. I felt into the energy and then I read that, which actually kind of doesn't make sense for what I was feeling, but that doesn't always coincide. And it's also a new moon on Tuesday. So I will just say that like Aries energy, new moon energy is all about, they they both are about new beginnings. New Aries is the first sign of the zodiac. It's like a real like, let's get her going. Mm. Or as the kids say, let's fucking go. <laughs> um, but I'm honestly weirdly feeling kind of, not that I'm not feeling initiation energy, but it feels very, almost like initiation energy when you're going, like doing a slip and slide. <laughs> like mm. it feels smooth. It doesn't necessarily feel fast, though. It just feels like... Easy? Yeah, like it feels easy, I would say, Monday, Tuesday. No friction. Yeah, exactly. It just feels like a swoop, which feels nice, (laughs) honestly. And I feel that going into, I want to say, Wednesday-ish, like maybe mid-Wednesday. And then it does feel like something happens. There does feel like there's a shift. Things turn a little bit. It feels topsy-turvy and then kind of just like this resistance. And when I was feeling into it, it felt like passive-aggressive energy. Like if you let yourself, you could get involved in power control kind of thing going oh. on. And um, it feels like you could get involved in like... Well, <clears throat> Like, it feels like kind of annoying energy. Mm. Like, not necessarily anything, like, terrible, like, big fight. But it just feels like, uh, like, like squabbling. Yeah, like, but not just squabbling. It's more like, um, like, maybe somebody trying to control something and you're, like, control what you're doing. And mm. you're like, what? don't, why are you doing that? And mm. instead of just, like, maybe taking a breath allowing them to be who they are and then not engaging in the power struggle, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, doing your best to take care of your feelings and emotions, allowing them to be what they are and allowing the other person to be who they are and just setting your boundaries from that place as opposed to 
you tangling with that yeah and that kind of energy and it feels like you know just like with anything the more you resist what you resist persists (laughs) (laughs) why are you mocking that because it was such an old thing but it's like or you know you can't here's a real cliche you can't undo a knot by tightening it like making it tighter you know yeah um so allowing what is to be basically the Sedona method is my favorite for this um which basically is just taking a breath and having that mantra can I allow what is to be and be and be and I maybe I'll talk about this more in depth another time but I had a major realization this weekend with my own inner children which was I've been codependent with my own inner children (laughs) like Mm. trying to make them not necessarily change like their feelings that's not something i do but like trying to make them understand i love them if they're having a hard time (laughs) or like if they're why don't you trust me yeah exactly or if they're worried it's like okay but look at me can you see i'm here i'm here instead of like oh okay she's worried you know you're worried yeah you're worried you know a lot of times kids that's what they need to hear confirmation yeah exactly like you're sad it's counterintuitive Mm because we think that's just going to make it worse right if you admit it right (laughs) like oh my god but 10 times out of 10 nine times (laughs) 10 it really does soothe them yeah it's so helpful to be in a place where you're not trying to fix or pathologize also that you're having these feelings i definitely have worry parts that are like inner child worry big inner child warrior that comes from the worst of my trauma and one of her worries ironically is that she shouldn't be having the worry there's something wrong with her for having the worry in the first place and so um that's really pathologizing it and it's just like the more we can feel like it's all part of the normal human experience then it's good um so anyway, that was kind of a tangent, but also when you are in a power struggle with someone else, there's always something going on within you that that gets you locked in it instead of being able to just be like, yeah, this isn't good maybe what they're doing, but I don't have to go there with them. I can right. take care of myself and let them be who they are and um, set, like I said, whatever boundaries yeah. you need. So that's our time. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. Also, just if you have the time, leave us a review. We'd be so grateful, so appreciative. And I've changed my Instagram handle. I'm now Natasha Levenger, Instagram, TikTok, and my website is still highestlighthealing.com if you want to check any of my offerings out. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.